What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Space News Live podcast. We're streaming live from Helsinki, Finland right now. There's no edits here. What you hear is what you get. My name is Rob. I will be your host. Today's date is December 12th, 2017. We want to welcome all my friends on the East Coast. It's 2 p.m. Eastern Time. It's uh, 9.01 p.m. right here in Helsinki, Finland. And uh, I want to welcome everybody listening live on spacenewslive.com. Or if you're a real go-getter, you're over on twitch.tv who hosts the uh, the live space news uh, podcast uh, whenever we have it. <laughs> Used to be every week, but uh, we're trying. Uh, so welcome all of y'all listening live right now. Or if you're listening uh, later and delayed on uh, iTunes or Google Play Store, we welcome you as well. What's up, everybody? I know it's been a little while. Um, I apologize for the delay. I, I told you I would try to try to keep this podcast going through all the hectic uh, holidays and everything going on. It uh, just uh, didn't quite work out the way I, I thought it was going to work. Um, and just to bring you up to date, um, you know, the mothership here has been busy. Uh, we've had uh, the holidays, of course, Thanksgiving, since last time we talked. Uh, my best man from the wedding was here uh, visiting in Finland. That was great. We had got some uh, much-needed time to catch up. We've, um, Me and my wife have been traveling. Uh, you know, We went to visit Santa Claus in Rovaniemi, Finland. Uh, by the way, if you haven't been there or if you're looking for a vacation spot or a place to take the kids, or big kids too, like myself, it was a wonderful place. In fact, I uh, would like to go back again tomorrow, if possible. <laughs> I would go in a heartbeat. Um, but on top of that, the Christmas shopping, the decorating for the holidays, everything has just been adding up. I just did not have time. And of course, I don't like to put together a, a you know, whoop, excuse me, half done. Uh, I like to talk with my hands, obviously. <laughs> I don't want to put together a uh, half, you know, um, you know, halfway done uh, show. So, you know, why do it? Uh, that's right. That's the way I look at it. So, anyways. We're back in business now. Um, I had some time uh, to uh, get the show together and um, just uh, get you the news that you deserve, right? So let's get to it. This is episode uh, 13, 13 episodes we've done of the Space News Live. Pretty amazing. Uh, we're trucking right along. So heading over into the top story of the day. And trust me, if you're a space fan, I know you've heard about this, so I'm just going to tell you something you already know, but I'm really excited about it. Yesterday on December 11th, President Trump, he uh, he has made it official. We are sending astronauts back to the moon. I'll say it again. We are going back to the moon. President Trump signed a directive order to get us back to the space in the back of the space exploration game. And I tell you what, if you're not excited about that, um, go ahead and hit stop right now because you're not going to be excited about anything else going on because that is the top number one story. I've been waiting a long time for this day. But what exactly does that mean? What does it mean when, when he says, we're going to be going back to the moon? Well, it means that the president is allowing NASA, and I quote, to refocus America's space program on human exploration and discovery. That's what Trump said. He also says it marks a first step in returning American astronauts to the moon for the first time since 1972. Which is music to our ears here at the Space News Live podcast. It's it's personally been one of, been one of my uh, dream moments uh, ever since I heard about... Wait, we walked on the moon back in the 60s, you know, in, in early 70s. I want to see it for myself. I, you know, it's one thing. I, I, you know, I'm very happy with 
uh, the time period I've been alive and 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 because I love technology and and all the gadgets and stuff. I wish they didn't have a lot of that back then. But there's one thing I wish I would have been around for, and that is the moon landings. Of course, I wasn't. So now here's our second opportunity to watch this live and to watch this happen again and to actually see it in high definition. You know, the cameras and, and whatnot back then were good for the time. They took some of the best Hasselblad cameras up there and the video and stuff, but it just wasn't up to today's standards. Now we can get a high definition picture beamed from the surface of the moon and actually see the old landing sites, see the old you know, lunar modules, the rovers, the experiments, the tracks, you know, that footprint that Buzz Aldrin left, it's still sitting there. And we can go back and take a look at it and how cool would that be? So I, I'm pumped about this if you can't tell. But following the signing of the document, uh, Vice President Pence also uh, made some comments and he said, under President Trump, if, under President Trump's leadership, America will lead in the space program again on all fronts. And uh, that is true. Right now, we are not technically leading on anything because we're having to hitch rides <laughs> on the Soyuz uh, just to get to space, to the space station. I mean, yeah, we're leading in, in science and experiments. Don't get me wrong there. But it's going to be nice to be able to launch from U.S. soil again and to actually go to the moon and explore like we did in the old days. In attendance of the big event was astronauts Jack Schmidt, Peggy Whitson, Buzz Aldrin, and Christina Koch. Um, which was wonderful to see all these uh, new and old faces uh, in the Oval Office during the signing. Another fact about the signing is that it took place exactly 45 days to the minute. For 45 days, let me rephrase that. 45 years to the minute from the time that astronaut Jack Schmidt landed on the moon. Exactly 45 years later. You think he was walking on the moon going, hmm, what would I be doing in 45 years? I'll probably be standing you know, in the Oval Office with the president signing a directive to go back here again. No, I guarantee you didn't think that. So uh, it's pretty pretty neat uh, that that happened. Uh, you know, timed out that way, and I'm sure that was done on purpose. So anyways... Um, uh, you can definitely read more about that all over NASA's website, space.com, and probably any news agency website that you care to look at. It's on there. Really, really, really neat stuff. Oh, all right. Uh, moving right along, NASA.gov. They're reporting that they sent a team uh, to survey the uh, California wildfires um, that have been sadly destroying California, um, they sent a team on board a high-altitude ER-2 aircraft. And what does that mean? Well, basically, scientists are using a sophisticated aircraft and imaging spectrometer to study the environmental impacts caused by the wildfires in California, not to mention the uh, impacts on people's homes and everything that they're they're clearly seeing the destruction based uh, the, the team's based out of the Armstrong Flight Research Center in Palmdale, California. The plane that they're using um, is not just your any old commercial aircraft. It actually flies up to 70,000 feet. And in case you're not familiar with how high commercial aircraft fly, that's almost twice as high as you've ever flown on any aircraft. Um, and that they do this to gain a unique perspective for the research and without actually having to go all the way into space, but they can go 70,000 feet up, which is high enough to see, you know, a really wide area and actually see the impacts that the fires are having on the earth. Uh, scientists have been testing various instruments on board the ER-2 aircraft, um, that may one day be part of weather satellites, uh, payload. 
for Earth observation on a regular basis. One of the sophisticated instruments on board uh, um, are the it's the AVIRIS or the Airborne Visible slash Infrared Imaging Spectrometer, and what that does really is it's an instrument that can peer through the smoke and the dust to get a better visual of the surface below. Um, the observation includes trees and fo- other fo- foliage that um, ends up being used as fuel for the fires. So they can actually look down and see what um, fuel is ahead of the fires and what's going to be used as, as fuel and cause the fires and which way it may turn um, the fires or, or what's going to be destroyed in the future. Um, because when it gets really smoky and cloudy, you, know, you can't see real well, but these really uh, high-end instruments can. And hopefully uh, this research will lead to a better understanding of the wildfires. Of course, that's always the goal. Better understanding of their behaviors um, and in turn help firefighters help predict where the fires will spread and help them beat the fires to the punch and hopefully save lives, homes and property and you know all that stuff. So really good stuff NASA's doing, uh, not only in space, but on Earth as well. There's a link, um, of course, in the show notes to get a a, um, a better look and read more about that project. All right, the Germanied meteor shower has arrived. If you have not heard about this, if you missed the Perseids meteor shower that was earlier this year, then you're in luck because we have another one. And this one's uh, pretty good. Now, the, uh, the Perseids meteor shower, for a lot of people, got kind of washed out by the moon and clouds and stuff. You couldn't really see it. So hopefully this one uh, will treat you better. The Germini shower becomes active every year around the December time frame when the Earth passes through a massive trail of dusty debris shed by a rocky object um, cleverly named the 3200 Python. Python? Python? Patheon? I don't know how you say that. Sorry. Um, but it basically, the dust and grit burn up when they uh, return into the uh, the Earth's atmosphere. I'll make a quick edit here. I made a goof on my typing. Return to the Earth's atmosphere, um, and it makes a flurry of what we would call a shooting star, right? Well, it's not really, but it looks like it, and it makes quite a show for everybody here on Earth watching the meteor shower. The shower will peak overnight between December 13th and the 14th. That's tomorrow. Um, and with, get this, rates up to one meteor per minute. So every 60 seconds, you're going to see a meteor at the peak. So very cool show. Hopefully you have clear skies um, to see that. The best time to be to view the meteor shower will be around 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. And uh, also the morning of the 14th is another really good time to see it if you want to get up early before that sun rises. You can even watch the live, watch the event uh, live streamed um, uh, via Ustream, if that makes sense. Live stream via Ustream starting at sunset on the 13th. Um, There's a link in the show notes to the actual stream. Uh, The stream will be coming from the Automated Lunar and Meteor Observatory located at NASA's Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville, Alabama. In case you were wondering, so uh, there's a link to the story and a direct link to the uh, UStream uh, if you're interested in watching that. If you don't have clear skies and want to see it yourself, I highly suggest you watch it yourself. Though, go walk outside and or get to a dark area if you're in the city and, and watch that meteor shower. It's going to be quite the show. All right, have you heard this one? This almost sounds like a fake news story, but it's real. A living bacteria from outer space has been discovered. Well, kind of. 
It's if you believe cosmonaut Anton of <laughs> he told Russia's state-owned TASS news agency that he discovered living bacteria in samples he collected from the exterior of the International Space Station. Is this true? I mean, I'm sure they collected some living bacteria, but was it really from space that just happened to attach itself to the space station? I highly doubt it. But three spacewalks were conducted by cosmonauts who collected the material from the Russian parts of the space station uh, using cotton swabs. Uh, The samples were then sent to Earth for analysis. It turns out those samples revealed bacteria, right, that were uh, absent during the launch of the uh, space station, but now are present. He believes they settled on the exterior of the space station um, from outer space, just happened to be flying by and settled on the outside, and they found it. Well, maybe. I guess anything's possible, right? They're still looking into how this bacteria came about. But uh, they want you to know earthly contamination would be hard to rule out, given how microorganisms tend to be. I'm no scientist, so I don't really know how they tend to be, but I'm pretty sure I could figure out how earthly contamination could have happened. Uh, you know, is it true? Is this a, a mistake? Hopefully an honest mistake. I'll let you decide on that, but if you want to read more about it, you can head to the space.com. Uh, website in the show notes and, and read more about it. See, you know, maybe they'll uh, give some updates on on what exactly uh, happened there. I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, but it's an interesting story. You know, if it's true, it's really interesting. So we'll see what comes of this story in the future. And I apologize for the keystrokes you're hearing. Just making a few edits on the show notes. This is live, right? This is live. In fact, it's so live. I'm gonna take a drink right now. Mm. Water. Mm. All right, so moving on to the next story. 19 satellites launched on board a Soyuz rocket are assumed to be lost. That's a big number of satellites to be gone, right? Um, And I I hope they can figure out what happened to them. (laughs) For all the people that paid for those satellites? Yeah, and for, you know, the... the, uh, the space agency over there in Russia that um, that's responsible for this, you know, for, for all of the above, right? But 19 satellites were launched into orbit on November 28th, uh, but now the Russian state uh, space corporation, better known as better known as Roscosmos, can't contact the vehicle with the primary payload. The um, Meteor M number two one weather satellite is what they're trying to, to contact. And it's most likely because they say it's off its planned orbit. Something happened with the burn, maybe. It went a little too long or something. It pushed itself out of the wrong orbit. So now they're trying to figure out where it's at so they can contact it. It's not uh, responding when they uh, send signals to it. Nobody's providing much update on this information. I'm sure they're scrambling, trying to figure out what the heck happened. Uh, the only company that is prov- that is providing uh, any communication about this any update is the Canadian satellite operator Telsat, uh, which has had uh, which had a prototype satellite on board the rocket, and they they have been quoted as saying the launch had failed. Other companies with satellites on board the Soyuz were Astro Digital and Astro Scale. They are not talking, not responding uh, to any requests made by Space News. Um, they not us Space News, by the way. That is another company called Space News. Just to be clear. Um, so basically, it's just you have to stay tuned to see what happened. But it's an interesting story that 19 satellites were launched, and they're nowhere to be found now. So 
Um, hopefully, um, some good news comes with this. You can head over to thespace.com, link in the show notes to read more about it, and maybe there'll be some updates. Okay, well, we we hear, you know, we do these big gaps in between shows. We don't like to go too far back in the news because nobody really cares about um, something, unless it's a major discovery or something, you know. Nobody cares about something that was three weeks ago, right? So we don't go too far back. We try to keep everything current in every show. Um, so that's going to do it for the news for today. And uh, we're going to move into the upcoming events if you want to mark them on your calendar even though, like many events at NASA, the um, dates get, you know, adjusted, let's say. Well, this is no different. Um, these notes, um, I had been working on them yesterday, last night, late last night here in Finland. This was solid. I uh, go to make sure everything is still solid before the show, and of course it's all changed. <laughs> Today, December 12th, at 11.45 a.m. already, SpaceX was supposed to... Uh, launch uh, a vehicle, right? But, of course, they're already announcing on Twitter that their new target date is tomorrow, Wednesday, December 13th. And if you want to mark this down, December 13th, 11.24 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is the new launch date for the SpaceX cargo mission to the space station. So they will be doing a new launch, hopefully tomorrow, not today. Um, and they were supposed to be having the um, SpaceX CRS-13 cargo mission, which is the name of it, uh, the post-launch news conference uh, today at 1.15 p.m. In fact, probably going on right now. Um, but it's uh, an unknown at this time. They didn't give an update on, on the reschedule for that. So if you um, want to check NASA's website uh, to keep, or SpaceX is even at that rate, to get an update on those times if you're interested in that. Um, it, whenever it does happen, it will be a live from the Cape Canaveral Air Force Station, uh, with reps from NASA, uh, NASA's International Space Station Program and SpaceX will all be at that conference whenever that does happen. I assume that is still the case. That's what they were reporting yesterday. So stay tuned for that. Um, I would suggest probably look at SpaceX's, uh, website for that. Wednesday, December 13th, tomorrow at 8.30 p.m. Now, this is still holding strong, holding holding accurate for now. 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Expedition 53 will hold their farewell and hatch closure coverage on NASA TV from the International Space Station. Um, and then uh, a few hours later, 11.45 p.m. tomorrow, the Expedition 53 crew will officially depart the International Space Station. Of course, you can watch it all live on NASA TV. Make sure you tune in for that if you're up late on the East Coast. Not so late if you're on the West Coast. Um, um, insanely late if you're here in Finland. All right. That will do it for the events for the calendar. And we move into Today in Space. What happened today, December 12th? In space history? Well, back in 1962, the Apollo spacecraft system... Systems were looked at for modification for a possible 100-day Earth orbit capability. NASA scientists looked at what it would take to achieve the 100-day orbit milestone. And four things they looked at was, number one, the mission propulsion in flight time. Number two, the rendezvous, reentry, and landing factors. Uh, number three, the human factors. Probably this was a big one. I'm thinking um, I can't imagine being crammed inside an Apollo spacecraft for 100 days. I mean, wow, that's a long time. And number four, the spacecraft command and communications. Those things were looked at, but to my knowledge, they never did do a 100-day um, 
mission on in the uh, Apollo spacecraft. So really, these things were uh, researched. I'm sure the conclusion um, was reached after they looked at those four things. All right, checking in with the International Space Station crew on social media. What's been going on up there in their orbiting laboratory? Well, astronaut Randy Bresnik tweeted out a photo of astronaut Joseph Acaba performing maintenance on the spacesuits. That can only mean one thing. It looks like they're looking at a possible or more possible uh, future spacewalks, right? Um, They're getting the suits ready. Um, and the pictures are kind of neat if you want to look them up, uh, because you can see, at least it appears to my untrained eye, to be on the left picture as you look at it, because it's a collage of two pictures, you can look inside the backpack um, as he's working on it. You can kind of see the inner workings, the hoses and stuff. Uh, it's kind of neat to see what's going on behind the uh, the um, the fabric there, the white fabric that you always see on the spacesuit. So kind of neat to look at. Uh, Also, since our last show, uh, Randy Bresnik tweeted out a neat video, and I've been wanting to make sure um, I put this in the show. Now, this is a little bit old, but it's kind of neat to go back and watch. It's a video of the crew enjoying some pizza in space, and they titled the video, Pizza in Space, a Cosmic Collaboration. The video, it's it's, uh, pretty cool, showing them having a good time eating their pizza, but it's also a time lapse of the crew hanging out uh, with all their creations, and it looks like they really got creative with their pizza. Um, there was all I couldn't tell all the different kinds. Pepperoni was definitely there though, and which is my personal favorite. Um, they had, uh, they were flat, you know, they were flying around. Of course, everything flies around in the space station, but you can see them uh, moving quickly on the time lapse and uh, having a good time there um, with Pizza Night. I'm sure that was a fun time for them, which is why they decided to make a video of it. <laughs> Randy Bresnik also tweeted out a photo um, of a neat perspective from Earth, having. Um, personally enjoying photography and enjoying the pictures that they put up of the earth and the um, northern lights and things of that nature. Um, he put up this picture of earth using an eight millimeter fisheye lens to give the illusion that he's way out there like the Apollo astronauts capturing the entire earth when really he's 150 miles above the earth's surface. But with the fisheye lens, it, it makes it look like you're seeing the whole earth. He captured it at night while they were passing over China and North Korea and South Korea. So it's neat, you know, seeing the lights and stuff and the darkness, but you can also see the, it looks like, you know, the curvature of the earth and the whole earth like he's, you know, miles and miles away, right? Pretty, it was a pretty, pretty neat photo. Um, that was a recent one, so you can check that out. Also, right before we went live on the air, European Space Agency, uh, the ESA, tweeted out that uh, 1,700 school student teams are about to have their code run on board the International Space Station. The European Astro Pie Challenge is currently going on. It's uh, also, it's Mission Zero is ready for the ISS, is what they said. The European Astro Pie Challenge, Mission Zero is ready for the International Space Station. So, sounds pretty cool. I'm sure there's lots of excited uh, students um, <laughs> really pumped to see their code around on board the space station and watch a um, astronaut be uh, interacting with their code. So, Pretty cool stuff, exciting times for everybody all around. And one last news, not really on board the space station, um, but uh, definitely space news, is NASA tweeted out a photo of astronaut Jack Schmidt showing off his moon rock to Ivanka Trump. We all hoped that she was impressed with his moon rock. (laughs) All right, moving on to the bonus question. I gotta get some music for the bonus question, because the bonus question is exciting. I like the bonus question, and usually, you know, I have fun making it, so... Definitely going to have to research some uh, 
some uh, music for that. But earlier, here's the bonus. Well, not this isn't the question yet, but just a little pre-story about it. Earlier, we talked about the directive the president signed. Really excited uh, to get the uh, Americas back on the surface of the moon. Cannot wait. I wish they would go tomorrow, but I know there's lots, <laughs> lots of things I got to do before that. But the question is, what was brought to the White House as a reminder of the exploration history and American success at the moon on which the new policy will build? I'll say that again. What was brought to the White House as a reminder of the exploration history and American success at the moon on which the new policy will build? And if you're paying attention, I bet you can get it. The answer is, they brought Lunar Sample 70215, also known as an honest-to-goodness moon rock. They brought the moon rock. They brought a sample that was actually retrieved from the moon's surface. Um, sorry, I was correcting this. <laughs> Busted, i got to stop doing this. I was correcting uh, some of my notes here. But the sample was retrieved from the moon's surface and returned by astronaut Jack Schmidt. Would be why he was showing it off. Um, it was it was retrieved on board Apollo 17, which, as we know, was the last Apollo mission to land on the moon. So Jack Schmidt was showing Ivanka Trump, as I just said. I kind of gave it away there if you were paying attention. Uh, he was showing Ivanka his moon rock, which he brought back to the Earth's surface 45 years ago. Um, pretty cool for him probably to be reunited with it. And then to be able to show it off. And I bet he wishes he could take it home. But a lot of people wish they could. But that is that. Well, with 26 minutes after the hour, that is going to do it for this week's episode of the Space News Live. Uh, I want to thank everybody uh, for joining us. Um, we're here, of course, live in Helsinki, Finland. Um, and to help you stay up to date on the next episode, I try to put it out there early. I was good about this one. I put it out there yesterday that we were going to be doing a show. Um, hopefully you saw it, um, but you can uh, check out all the news about the live broadcast uh, on spacenewslive.com or also stay in, twi- in, twi- in touch on Twitter at uh, Space News Live 1, that's Space News Live and the number one. So until next time, we'll see you right here on the Space News Live. <laughs>